Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Breaking Changes podcast. I'm your host and chief evangelist for Postman, Ken Lane. With Breaking Changes, we explore topics from the world of APIs, but we look at things through the lens of business and engineering leadership. Joining me today, we have Robert Flowers, Senior Product Owner and Enterprise API Oversight at Duke Energy. Robert provided me with yet another view of how experienced product owners are acting as the bridge between business, IT, and the consumers of APIs, but in the case of Duke Energy, also bridging compliance. Let's start with the basics. Who are you and what do you do? All right. My name is Robert Flowers. Um, I am actually the uh, senior product owner for enterprise APIs and data products at Duke Energy. Um, I'm actually on the East Coast in uh, South Carolina. Um, I'm uh, basically been in the IT industry for a little over 17 years at Duke Energy. Um, I build uh, been been building APIs as a developer, and now I'm managing the vision of how Duke is using APIs to combine their business units and how they can integrate the work that they've got going on. Um, so Duke Energy is working toward a, um, you know, being t- uh, carbon free by 2050. And part of that is our modernization of our architecture. And part of that involves APIs heavily. Okay. So you're, you're a developer, so you're, you're technical, but you're working with business folks to kind of bridge what I would call the classic business VIT divide that I've, that I've known for my entire career. Uh, why, why are you, why are you making this, this shift? Why are you being this bridge between these, these two groups? Well, I, I worked with APIs and and doing integration for years, um, mostly in the utility industry, um, and decided about five years ago to switch over to be a, uh, a scrum master um, and be an agilist. Um, and as I did that, um, it came to light what Duke Energy was starting to do and, and how they were transforming the way they do work and the way that they look at IT from utility uh, perspective. Um, and it excited me. So I'm using what I know from a technical aspect to help bridge that gap with the business. Um, so I have a, I feel like I have a knack for explaining things to the business in a way they understand. It's not too technical. Uh, but at the same time, I can work with our teams as we're building our APIs um, and our full enterprise data mesh um, just to kind of convey that information from the business and make sure that we're bringing value to each of our business units. Yeah, so important. So what I'm seeing across a lot of enterprise conversations I've had on the show, but also just through my regular work is is a lot of groups kind of responded. Everyone's doing APIs. It's just whether you're doing it with a strategy or not. And then the ones who have kind of gotten on the API train in the last five, six years have realized that they had these, they launched a portal, launched uh, some very uh, uh, technical led driven, well-designed technically APIs, but they lacked any business uh, alignment, synchronicity, and they, they didn't really accomplish much. So these groups are really looking to go back and get more business stakeholders involved in the conversation. So does this reflect what you're seeing in the energy space? Do we need more business stakeholders at the table? 
I think we do, um, especially when you're dealing with all the different uh, do data domains that are just in the utility industry where you have um, not just supply chain, you've got your work management, you've got your power generation, you have customer, you know, um, and you can't have one IT group or one, even a couple of departments that know everything about that. So what we're doing is we're making sure that we pair with our business and we're using their knowledge. Um, and a lot of the things we're doing are customer-centered designs. So when we're talking about, um, you know, what we're doing for an API or even an event stream for our data mesh, we, we kind of ask the business, what are you wanting to get out of this? What's your use cases that, that are, are going to make the decisions you need to be successful? And from that, we then can reverse engineer back to what the source system looks like. We can build our, um, you know, our, our connectivity back to the data products and the, the source systems that we need. Um, but when the business looks at it, that's what they, they don't care about, you know, what it came from. Is it an Oracle database? Is it SQL Server? Is it a NoSQL DB? Um, you know, they just want their data and they want to be able to do different things with it now, um, especially in the, in the energy uh, area. So they want to not only just run reports and make decisions every day, they now want to analyze that data that they're getting, that they've been really collecting for years, and be able to make better decisions and understand the trends and what affects their customers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that business value. But what, what, do, you, what, what do you mean by data mesh? You use that phrase. So how does data mesh uh, enable that? So what we're doing is, we're looking at all of our different data domains and we're wanting those data domains to be able to talk between each other. So you can't just have your work management doing everything in a bubble. They've got to know about assets. They have to know about uh, supply chain and shipping. They also have to know about what customers their work orders are affecting. So in that example, you can't just have one domain um, doing all the work, you have to basically have them talk between each other. So what we're doing is using a data mesh that's brand new to, to, to Duke, and we're building those different building blocks. So all the different domains, the subdomains, we're building those building blocks and then tying them together so multiple people across the enterprise can see the same data and it looks the same across every single business unit. Interesting. And... Would you, I've, I feel like the last 20 years has been dominated by uh, RESTful, using low cost web technology to deliver digital resources as these RESTful web services. And, and that's by far the, the most dominant pattern, but like event driven stuff isn't anything new. It's been around for a long time. If you've lived through the SOA, the SOA ages, um, but there's this kind of resurgence. I feel like this, the I'm seeing enterprise organizations realize, well, what's next is not just the resources. It's the, it's the capabilities. So it's, it's the workflows, the automation, it's event, it's much more real time and streaming, as you said, um, is, is, is this what you're seeing? Is, is, is this just part of the maturing and, and, and journey we're all on? I think it is, but I think it's not just, um, the event driven, you have to, to kind of marry it up with request response type interactions. So a lot of times where you would usually trigger something off of a batch, you know, we always had a lot of things that were run, you know, every night 
you know, every day of the week, and it would go and process in large chunks of data. Um, well, now with being able to use event-driven, we're seeing data come across as it happens, and we can take those actions on that data the second it happens. But you're still going to have to deal with large sets of data. So usually you're going to use your APIs to enrich the data you're working with. So you may get triggers off of like a, like a bill being generated for a customer. But in order to know all the information for that, you've got to go to an API and get the historical information for that customer. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a healthy balance, I would say, because it's not an either or it's it's you got to be doing you got to lay this 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 restful, this this sync uh, synchronous foundation. So that and then the asynchronous kind of complements and goes together. But the other part of the journey that I'm seeing is a lot of enterprises are struggling to get to the point where you're at because they've had to do a lot of modernization of legacy systems. Have you are you through that journey? Are you still fighting that journey? Where are you at in that? We're we're actually I would say in our adolescence of that journey. Um, we're not in our infancy. We've been working it for you know five years, but we're we're still having legacy systems we have to integrate with. Um, and what we've been seeing is, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of legacy systems were worried that you put too much effort on them, you hit them too hard with even API calls, any kind of query, or even batch processing, and it affects the, the throughput of the system and affects the experience on the other end. What we're finding out is with event-driven and even using APIs, um, you can do things like putting a caching layer between your legacy system and your uh, who, whoever's needing that data, that API, and the impact's not great to the system of, of record, you know, if it's a legacy system, because we're, you know, we still have some data in mainframes that we're having to hit. But, you know, what we have seen is that event-driven, because it's small pieces of data moving across, it's not hitting the system and they're not seeing as much of an impact. So we, we're still seeing it and we've got a lot of legacy applications that we're well underway of modernizing. Um, you know, that's how we're also reducing our carbon footprint is we're, you know, moving toward uh, like a, a cloud-based solution. And, and that's really what we're thinking about right now is cloud. Well, that, that was going to be my next question. What's the role of the cloud in, in helping you achieve this? <laughs> so what we're looking at is, one, um, you know, moving our event streams to – you actually using event streams right now to get data into the cloud. Um, and, and have a cloud repository of data for request response and for, um, for some type of event-driven streams. Um, but when we're dealing with our APIs, we're now looking at not just having full, like, monolithic API uh, collections, but we're looking at using uh, serverless technology to provide, you know, on-demand APIs that don't need a persistent um you know, processing space like ECS or even an EKS type solution. Nice. Yeah, that'll give you a lot of that native cloud elasticity and flexibility that that it really is necessary, I think, to take this to the next level. It's important. So your your synchronous, your 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 web APIs request response, are they contract driven? Are you using Swagger open API to, to help guide that journey? So we're we're kind of doing two things. We're we're using Open API um, and and Swagger to define a lot of that, but we're versioning our APIs, which is something different in in our area. A lot of groups don't haven't um, 
versioned API. So what we're doing is using a contract, the contract of what's the body, what's the request response, what's the parameters needed. Um, and that's our contract that we agree to with the consumers. Um, if, if something comes along, a business need comes along where fields become required instead of optional, or we have to change the entire structure of say the JSON return for a, an API that dictates a brand new version. But at the same time, we're keeping the previous version. So, you know, we have multiple consumers and you can't request all those consumers to make changes within the next, you know, couple of months to support the new version. You have to keep multiple versions back. So we're kind of following that from a, um, an API versioning standpoint. Nice. Makes sense. I mean, having a contract kind of manage, it's just like business managing the relationships, the expectations. Here's what we're agreeing to in a, in a language we can all get behind and, and make sense of. Um, so are, is that similar across your, your streams as well? Your, your, I'm assuming your, your versioning, your schemas and, and across those as well. Yes. And we've, we've looked at a, a couple of, um, solutions, one being Avro and being able to have schemas on our, um, our streams as they come back and in, on our API calls, but yeah, stream-wise, um, we're looking at versioning those. Most of those are part of our um, our data pipelines for our data mesh, but um, we do have consumers of those streams, and we're we're you know we're kind of putting those into a um, an enterprise-wide uh, data uh, marketplace where um, users, any kind of stakeholders, you know, product owners, if they need to consume certain types of data, they can go and search for on the data marketplace for the type of data they need. It'll show the hierarchy of that data and, and how it's laid out. It'll also show any kind of governance that's needed over that data, but it'll also show ways to access it. Can you access it through a Kafka stream or can you um, mm. access it through an API? And then from there, they'll be able to go to like a, an API catalog that gets more into the details of here's the metadata of that API. Um, and you know, that's that open API area. But then it also should allow them to, you know, request access for that API, you know, be, be it a, like a, a developer app key or, or some, some type of solution like that to use OAuth. Yeah, no, sounds pretty, pretty far along in, in your journey. Is this, what's the visibility for consumers? Is this primarily internal? Is there a partner access to this? So right now, most of it is internal for a lot of our integration between multiple systems at Duke. But what we're looking at doing now is we have a couple that we're opening up to um, Duke vendors uh, that do contract work and do work orders. Um, and those are actually going through, uh, you know, they're, they're external. So they're hitting our APIs and they're actually using that to go through the right systems to update other systems um, based on work management information. Nice. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's gonna help you move a lot faster being able to service partners like that. Um, but you know that also, I mean, I know the the industry you're in. I mean, what's the what's the regulatory landscape look like for y'all? I'm guessing it's it's there's a lot to think about. Well, there is, um, you know, in, in the and definitely the the government holds a lot of that when it comes to nuclear data versus fossil hydro or even corporate data. Um, so we have to deal with a lot of uh, a lot of different regulatory areas. And, you know, going back to what you were saying about the business, it's very important to bring the business along because 
you know, the business knows those regulatory requirements that are needed, and they can help guide IT to make sure that they're building and managing that data and not, not violating any of the constraints that are put, put amongst, um, you know, our different development teams or, or even our, our business as a whole. What can, what can we do to make it more friendly for these business stakeholders? Because I, I know I've been on the, the regulatory side of this and I know how much work this is and I can't keep up. So as technical folks, like what, what can we do to make this more inclusive? I think the biggest thing is, is a open mindset. Um, you know, Duke has been really changing their culture and it's not a business versus IT. Um, they're doing more, they're collaborating. So, um, and that's, that's kind of what's part of the agile transformation for Duke Energy is they're, um, you know, they're wanting to include the business early on. Um, and, and really what happens is you have people that are not just developers now, um, but they do need to understand how to, um, how to learn, how to, how to maybe explain things a little better for the business. Um, you know, the, I guess to use the, um, the old, old days where, you know, people would, you know, engineers would get put in a, in a closet to write code for six months and come out with something. And, you know, most of the time it was, it was decent, but it was only about 20% of what they needed, you know. We're hoping to get that 80% uh, when we work with our business from the beginning. And, and we've been seeing that in the last four or five years um, where we're getting to market faster with innovative solutions um, and the business is coming along with it. So their adoption of that um, technology and even some of the new things that we're putting in place is is really high. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really seeing a lot of uh, – or companies large enterprises in heavily regulated industries not just energy but healthcare and 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 uh insurance and financial and stuff and what we're really seeing is they come to us wanting to talk about governance in this this inner it's kind of a venn diagram the regulate regulatory and governance domain driven design and then i'm like coming from a company postman who's very bottom up developer focused i'm like look developers aren't going to care about this governance stuff. Like it just doesn't mean anything to them. It's, you know, you need to enable them. I, I, I need you defining what the vocabularies are for the domains, providing the tooling, creating these space, these kind of safe and structured spaces for developers to operate in with all the necessary guardrails and bumpers. So they do the right thing with regulatory. They do the right thing with common schemas and standards. Is that reflect what you're seeing across your teams? It is, but it also adds a little bit to it. Um, we are also having to deal with the governance from an infrastructure standpoint. When you deal with the cloud, you know, you have certain data that can go to certain areas in the cloud, certain requirements over, you know, data that is that is considered, you know, DFARS or even um, SOX, you know, Sorbanes-Oxley, or, you know, even uh, from a, a FERC or even a, a nuclear regulatory commission. Um, so... We have to look at not just what's the guide rails and what's the guidance on who has access to the data, like at an individual user or group level. We also have to start thinking about if this data is going off of our on-premises systems of record, what's the governance and where can it sit when it goes into cloud? And that's that's a big piece. And that's where, you know, that's, that's something that you can't navigate that just as an IT team. You've got to you've got to have the business coming along with you, and they have to see your vision as you're going along. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to come clean on my what I said about seeing things from the regulatory side. So I 
2013, I worked for the Obama administration um, doing API and data interoperability, be trying to get agencies to be more interoperable using APIs and, and open data. And one of the things they sent me to was a one week long um, negotiations, we'll call it, with PG&E out here in California when it came to the OAuth scopes for, so I say I'm a homeowner and I want to put solar panels on my roof and I'm going to have a third party contractor come out. What what does the government mandate or what's an acceptable amount of data for, for PG&E to share with that contractor upon my approval? So OAuth scopes. And it was... I learned so much about the energy industry. I learned so much about the business. What you're saying is this knowledge and wisdom. Um, and it was intense. It was, it was more, it was, it was more than just, uh, uh, it was, it got heated. I would say some days they, you know, and so it's really a, an interesting, I think the partner asked to do this externally. It's not just internally within Duke to regulate at all these levels. You guys are going to have to be navigating this landscape across all these growing energy industries and contractors and third party. There's a lot to navigate there. Right. And and there's, you know, there's a lot of also external uh, influences on on what we're doing, um, you know, with with the EV, um, you know, movement that's going on right now. And, you know, I think all power companies across the country are looking at what impact is that having, and they're having to work on building their, um, you know, their their infrastructure up to support that. Um, and I feel like, you know, when Duke Energy says they're building a smarter energy future, um, you know, I'm I feel like I'm on the front line seeing that, and that's really the exciting part, and you know, and, and why you actually can see the benefit of what you're doing, and I and I see that day to day. Yeah. Wow. So we had we did have a. A show a couple weeks ago uh it was a an api first company all they do is the uh apis for the ev the station the charging station so they're specialized they just do the payments and the and the energy kind of negotiating what the energy price is and and things like that and they didn't want to deal with the whole rest of the stack they were just being api first and, and solving one thing but they talked about the strains that that's putting on the uh, the energy grid, it's like, so you, you guys have regulatory forces, you have market forces, like you have all these things kind of pu pushing and pulling on you and APIs are how you guys, how you're going to be able to like respond and be able to stay agile enough. Right. And, and I think that's the biggest thing, just like you were mentioning with the, um, the healthcare industry and how, you know, you had integration between them. Um, you know, there's, there's not there's not a lot of standards on, on how, you know, a provider uh, like Duke energy for power, you know, how they would, you know, provide data to say a consumer, like the, like an EV charging station. Um, there's not like a, a standardized format. Um, and, you know, I think in order to, to make everything efficient and to, to make sure we're all talking the same language, it's, you know, doing something like that is going to be very important. Um, cause otherwise you're going to have a lot of extra work of translating that data, um, and making sure that, you know, how do you validate the data, especially when you're dealing with something like, you know, as big as, is our power grid. Yeah. Yeah. That, those standards are critical. And I worked on the, the fire specification, fast healthcare interoperability resources for uh, center for Medicaid and Medicare and helping with that rollout across 50 States. The last season we had a, 
uh, interview with the state of Colorado and they were talking about you have to you have to to do business with Center for Medicaid and Medicare as a state you have to have a fire compliant API and so that I think that's a a, a fairly healthy representation of government led standards in this way but and from what I've seen, PSD2 in Europe, financial, like, I'm not entirely convinced that government creating internet API standards is where I want to be. So would you say Duke's in a position that you think, because what I see is, is if you get APIs well enough as a company and you're able to move fast and iterate and have these processes in place, your approach and the, your schemas can become this standard by default. Are you confident enough to say that Duke could be in that place in the next 20, 30 years to help lead that way? I, I would say that that's definitely a goal for the future. Um, I think that with what Duke is doing from being a trying to be one of the first digital power companies or power, energy utilities, um, I think it is, you know, it's on the table for for maybe the, I guess, the the format, you know, or the standards being being led by by what Duke does. So I, I think it's possible. Yeah, because I, I really feel like it's not just the standards. It's not just the naming and ordering of the, the schema or the design of the API, whatever it is. That's part of it and watching these standards roll out. But it's it's what you described as that relationship between business and technical, that feedback loop and that ability to iterate through versions and respond to partner needs and market needs. That creates the best standard, in my opinion, that flow, that process. So if, as a company, you can get to that point where you're that agile, nimble, and you have the right business feedback loops, you're going to, you're going to create a pretty compelling standard for any specific slice of the industry you work in. Yeah. And, and one thing that, that Duke has done in the last uh, five years with, and probably even a little bit longer than that, but is, is what they're doing with innovation. Um, you know, they're not, they're not accepting the way things have been done for 20 years. Um, so when it comes to thinking outside of the box on how we deliver data and how we handle that data, um, I feel like Duke is really um, is pushing the envelope, um, and I think you know there there can be some some standards and some some common language comes out of that. Um, but l just like you were saying, you you got to bring the business along. They've got to be there because those are the the ones that make the decisions. And it's not just for Duke; it's for any other power company. And it's 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 basically how do we talk from a an energy resource across you know you know across all the different uh municipalities and different groups there are just in the country i think that's a very important thing yeah so you you seem to have a real solid handle on the technical of of data the value of data the importance of it does business leadership at duke like really grasp it as i mean the the data is just as valuable as the energy that that you guys transmit through through your grid as well do they see that I think so. Um, you know, from everything from the data that's used to forecast the energy usage, um, yeah. you know, anything that's used for, um, you know, how our, what our customers think about the services we're providing. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot from an enterprise perspective from different products um, and, you know, in, internally to Duke that are 
that are using data in different ways. You know, they're they're wanting to use machine learning. They're wanting to use uh, different process analytics. Um, you know, and and that's just that's just on the customer side. Um, you know, there's a lot more they're they're looking at for uh, you know leak like like leak um, analysis. Um, so and that's you know that's not just on the electric side. That's on the gas side. Um, they're also looking at at different things with connectivity on our on our power grid and and how that works from a geospatial perspective. So there's I think our business does see the value because otherwise we wouldn't be getting requests and new ideas for brand new products that that the you know our stakeholders see are valuable for making the business more successful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be able to respond to all this and, and, and have the feedback loops in place, you need a certain amount of observability. So like I, I've been doing APIs full time since 2010 and I've been very vocal and public and I get on airplanes and people are like, what do you do for a living? And well, I'm an API evangelist or I'm API specialist. And what's an API, you know, trying to explain to them uh, what an API is, but you can't see APIs. They're not physical so when it comes to infrastructure at this scale it's really hard to see things these things are abstract digital concepts and capabilities so was what is observe what do you what do you all do to help with observability and see things see how it's happening so really what what we do is we look at what well two things from an api perspective. we look from a data perspective of um you know are we providing value from for the data for the business to make the decisions they need to make? Um, the other thing we're looking at now, and this is more from an enterprise, is how much extra effort did we save other product teams by using our APIs? So, did they, you know, you know, the old school was every every small team would build their own APIs against their own data source, and it would just be used internally. We're trying to get away from that and save developers, you know, hundreds of hours where they're just recreating the wheel. And and we saw that a lot in the past and that's what we're getting away from. So I think from a, a visibility standpoint, when we see multiple teams using our APIs, you know, we're, we're going through that, uh, you know, API lifecycle. We're looking at observing what our APIs are doing. How many requests are we getting? What type of data throughput are we getting? But when you can see multiple consumers hitting your API, you know that that you've actually got to that level of, of enterprise usability, um, and that's that's how we that's what how we kind of gauge our our how our APIs are and how visible they are. Again, looking at through the business lens, which I think is pretty critical. Like you got to look at all of this technical stuff uh, through a business lens if it's pre pre creating value and doing good things there. Um, then, then it's important. Otherwise, no, deprecate, move on, figure out some other approach. So another area that's top of mind, most of the conversa conversations I'm having is security. So I'm guessing y'all are a pretty good target for, for people wanting to do some, some not so nice things. What's, what's the security landscape look like for y'all? Well, we've we've got very dedicated um, uh, cybersecurity uh, departments that, you know, that that amaze me every time I talk to them about new things that they know about, new things they're checking us for. Um, you know, they do a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of auditing on our side, 
just internally from an IT perspective, even from a, you know, from an API is, you know, some of the things that we have that we get checked on. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of governance over that. You know, we're not, we're not allowed to just throw things out there. Um, you know, even internally, you know, you would think from an internal perspective, it would be a little open because, you know, everybody's one big happy family, but no, we, we have to deal with, you know, uh, who, who can have access to that data and how do we secure it? Um, and now as we're moving to more external, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of work before we can even put our first API out there that is externally accessible. Um, but we're using, we're using a lot of the industry standard tools like, you know, Apigee, um, you know, we're, we're doing our monitoring uh, using tools like Dynatrace um, just to verify, uh, you know, what our everyday usage is. We use it for monitoring for maintaining the health of our APIs. Um, and then, I mean, it's, it's just as the, as the landscape changes, which it does change daily, I think we've got the right people and the, and the right knowledge there to uh, just to keep us going on the right path. Yeah, it's an ongoing battle and you have to have the observability. You have to be able to see and understand your traffic to be able to understand patterns, changing, shifting, all of that. What's healthy, what's not so healthy. Um, but for you, like, what's what's new and exciting uh, for the future looking forward? Like, what are you working on investing in that 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 keeps you coming to work? Well, um actually the the whole idea of of how our apis are delivering data that's just i can say in the last last year and a half um i've gone from being more developer focused of what you know individual products to how do we look at an enterprise level um so i've got to be i was able to stay take a step back and and see the benefits you know and, and you kind of re really understand how large um you know, this is and, and how how different teams use that same data. So, you know, as we're moving toward a uh, like a modern architecture with with cloud based with AWS, um, just seeing how all that ties together where, um, you know, everything used to be just sitting on prem and we would, you know, it was it was seemed like it was really easy to develop against that and and coming into it. You know, I had the idea of, oh, well, it's, you know, it's probably, you know, it's a little more difficult dealing with things in the cloud. But as we're as we're seeing, it's not. It's just it's just another way of doing it. And that I'm not at that point where I'm I'm doing the, you know, the down in the weeds development. But being able to understand how the data moves and then how we can access that data and then being able to explain that to the business and bring them along. I think that's my biggest drive what I come into work for every day is being able to explain the vision of the company and what we're doing and get people on board. I think that when I get people that have the light bulb turn on and they understand what I'm saying and they get excited like I am about it, um, that that really just, you know, kind of gives me fulfillment in my in my position. Yeah, I'm I mean, so I'm chief evangelist at Postman. My blog that I've run for the last decade is API evangelist. And I'm I'm a big I mean, almost to religious levels of a believer in storytelling, getting people on the same page, getting people excited. But I talk to a lot of enterprise organizations that are very siloed. People are in different parts and they don't have visibility and, and they don't always care about change at at the org level they're more focused on their incentives so how do we light 
light up more people like you within within either technical or business groups because I feel like you your persona like what you do is is how we get where we need to be in the next 20 years well i i think that what you've got to do is you've got to let both sides the business and your you know your development side your it side they need to 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 feel like they're in a safe place and they're empowered i feel like by them feeling empowered they're gonna they're gonna kind of cross that line you know they're gonna they're gonna go i guess bridge the gap between uh, IT and business, um, and it's it's a cultural change. I think it's not just you know learning how to modernize, learning how to go to the cloud, um, knowing how to use event driven you know and, and data mesh like we're doing, but I think it's important to know that the business are also are just just other people that are trying to get get their job done. And if when we understand that we're helping facilitate that and we can work together to get things done, um, I guess, quicker and also to maybe even learn something on the way uh, along the way between both, both sides. Um, I think that's what it takes. It takes people just being willing to get out of their comfort zone, break down the walls and, and really collaborate. Yeah. Yeah. So important. It's uh, I think trying to, trying to, stop isolating people you know like you said earlier developers in in locked in rooms and slide pizza under the door just seems like such a last century concept as far as how we do this and I, i've been there i've been that developer in the room people feeding pizza to me and i i would never go back to that um well in this in this world i know i mean at duke a lot of you you're all dealing with a lot of change and in how energy's created how energy's used all of that what's what's your world change what, what what has changed during the last two or three years with with covid oh wow um well it, it's kind of funny because we really just before covid hit we we were pretty hot and heavy on our apis and, and actually using microservices um we just got done putting our one of our first uh lambda functions into AWS that was used by the customer side. Um, and actually the day, I'm sorry, the week after uh, the pandemic started and all the uh, lockdown happened, we we actually had to deploy our first Lambda API into AWS. Um, but it was what, what kind of changed was we had to learn new ways to communicate, new ways to work together. Um, a lot of our teams are, are strictly XP. Some are some are Scrum and some are Kanban. Um, I think our XP teams um, kind of stepped up to that a lot faster because of the pairing methodology that they use. Um, the team I was belong I belonged to while the pandemic was going on, um, they it feels like they didn't even miss a beat. Um, so there wasn't much change except in how do we communicate and how do we keep working. Um, I think as we're getting back out of that, um, I think a lot of a lot of different areas see that there are you can IT can be just as effective working remotely as they can working face to face. Um, and I'll say that, but at the same time, um, when you when you get to go back into the office and see a member of your team that you haven't seen like in person in two years. It's it has an impact on you. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean that was that was kind of interesting. Um, but I think you 
you you really do kind of see, you know, who who can adapt. And and we had a we had a lot of we have a lot of great developers that adapted to this and were just as effective during um, the remote work sessions as they are um, working in house. Yeah, it's definitely strengthened my team. I mean, my team's pretty global, uh, but uh, it's really strengthened a lot of lot of how we work. And we know we're never going back. There's no kind of sh shifting to the uh, to the old times. And having the conversations I've had with different companies on breaking changes, I'm seeing how uh, similarly they they've they've adapted in different ways. And so, as I was listening to you talk, I think what I'm going to try to do and so what are we, 2022 here coming up in the summer? Sometime next spring, I think, I'm going to do a Breaking Changes kind of reunion. And I'm going to get like, so we've done one with Boy Scouts of America, their API first, 7-Eleven, Formula One, um, Goldman Sachs. Um, so I haven't had any energy ones. So what I'm thinking is I could maybe get you all together for a day or two or something and do some talks or some roundtables or something. Would you Would you be game for something like that? Oh, yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I think that might be interesting because I'm going to purposely not have one from the same industry, just have all different industries all together and see what kind of conversations we can we can stir up with that. That'd be exciting. Great. Uh, well, I will I will tap tap into you for that a little bit later. But uh, this has been great. It's been uh, enlightening. I love learning about more about the energy space. Um, understanding how, how you're all attacking the future and using APIs to do it. I uh, appreciate your time today. Sure. I appreciate it, Ken. All right. Thanks, Robert. Thanks again to Robert for stopping by. You can find more on Robert on LinkedIn, and you can learn more about Duke Energy at duke-energy.com. You can subscribe to the Breaking Changes podcast at postman.com slash events slash breaking-changes. I'm your host, Ken Lane, and until next time, cheers. Cheers.